You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Thursday, everybody. The Timberwolves fell to the Bulls in overtime on Wednesday night. We're going to talk all things Wolves, Bulls, what we've seen out of games one and two of Chris Finch's offense so far. Uh, what some of the Wolves' issues were in this game. Also, Carl Anthony Towns had a great game again and was more involved in the uh, in the offense. I mean, the offense ran through Towns again, but he fouled out regulation. Talk a little bit about Cat's um, issues in terms of of committing personal fouls, getting himself taken off the floor. He only played 31 minutes in an overtime game because he fouled out so early and was also in first half foul trouble. So I want to dig into that a little bit. And then we'll hit individual studs and duds. Later this week, I want to do a deeper dive. And actually, it'll be Friday's show uh, because the Wolves don't play again until Saturday night. So Friday's show um, will basically be uh, a look at the offense so far and and what it looks like compared to what we've seen from Finch's offenses in Denver and New Orleans compared to what Ryan Saunders was running with the Timberwolves. So that'll be Friday's show. Today, it'll be more specific to this game um, and and the flow of this game and and what some of the key takeaways were as well. So that'll be the show today. Before we get to all that, though, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts. Of course, that includes iTunes. You can also follow on Google Podcasts or Spotify. Um, You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. Locked on T-Wolves, don't forget the T, and also at B-Beacon, it's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, so the Wolves and Bulls in this game, things actually got off to a, a pretty even start. The Wolves led for most of the first quarter. They led by as many as as seven and held a two-point lead at the end of the first. They were getting out and running. They, you know, Both teams like to play fast, and, and it, you know, it was just kind of up and down action. There wasn't a whole lot of defense. The Wolves were competing defensively. It wasn't anything um, you know, atrocious in the first quarter for the Wolves. It is notable. The Wolves started the game. The first set they ran was was an action to get Anthony Edwards the ball and try and get him downhill. And I've talked about that a lot in the show, that the less decision-making that he has to do and just get him the ball and go at this stage in his career, uh, I have full confidence that he can be a playmaker at some point. Um, full confidence is maybe a little strong. He certainly has the ability to be a playmaker. Um, and but But getting him in situations where he can get downhill and just go attack is is the right thing to do. The very first place that the Wolves called was a stagger screen for Ant to get the ball and uh, and curl around the screen at the top of the key. He got into the paint, he made a layup, could have been a foul, could have been an and one, uh, but he scored in the very first possession. And, and there were actually several sets called where Ant was the number one option early in the first quarter. And he wasn't very efficient. He came on strong at the end of the game. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But um, Overall, you know, that first possession, that play call was great. Trying to get him involved early makes a lot of sense. The offense is primarily going to run through Towns, but get Anthony Edwards involved early, make him feel part of this offense. He, you know, especially with no D'Angelo Russell, he's option three after Malik Beasley, and he's going to be the secondary playmaker and ball handler. I mean, most of the plays called for Malik Beasley are catch and shoot plays where he's coming off of, of flare screens and pin downs, and, and he's, he's just launching 
right? I mean, he's not reading and reacting as much. He's not handling in the pick and roll. Edwards is the guy outside of Ricky Rubio and Jordan McLaughlin um, that's going to have to do those things. And so the Wolves ran a few Edwards pick and rolls early. They mixed in the pick and roll. It wasn't nearly as pick and roll heavy as Milwaukee on, on Tuesday, as they were against Milwaukee on Tuesday night. This was more of a, a mixture of things early in the game. Um, there was a lot of Carl Anthony Towns getting the ball at, at, you know, in that kind of mid range spot on the floor, basically the elbow extended. If you drew a diagonal line from the elbow out to the arc, it's basically between the paint and the arc is where is where the Nuggets get the ball to Jokic a lot. It's it's not usually at the elbow. It sometimes is, but it's a lot of times a little further out, more like you know, 18, 20 feet from the rim. And so there was a lot of offense ran through Cat there, and we're going to keep seeing a lot of that. Um, the defense early in the game was, was okay. Um, I mean, they gave up 32 in the first quarter, but for the most part, Carl Anthony Towns and Jared Vanderbilt were spacing properly and dropped coverage. The Bulls run a ton of, of pick and roll, a ton of dribble handoff, um, a lot of, a lot of handoff action and the wolves for the most part were playing, playing the bulls well in the first quarter. Unfortunately, when the bench came in in the second quarter that changed, Nasri got burned on several possessions pretty much consecutively, um, in drop coverage. He was just a Kobe white, just was a, like a flash right past him. Zach Levine, same thing when he came back into the game and Nas was still on the floor. Remember towns had foul trouble. He ended up with three fouls pretty early in the second quarter and Nas was just left out there to get torched. Um, Nas has been pretty good in terms of interior defense this year. He's blocked more shots. He's, he's, uh, seem to kind of understand the the concept of help side defense or at least execute it better this year than he did as a rookie but his his role in drop coverage it, it hasn't been good and in theory because he's relatively quick on his feet for his size he's got great length and a good wingspan he should be able to at least make life difficult for opposing teams and and cat is finally it's clicking with him on on where to play and it's 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 the most important part of the defense that the wolves run is being able to read as the big Am I close enough to the ball handler to make his life a little more difficult to contest a mid-range jumper? Am I am I sagging far enough that I can I can chip the roller or I can be in position to to stop the roller? Um, you know, is best case scenario. And Cat really struggled with that early last season. And this was this was a new coverage installed, obviously after Tibbs, and then when David Vanterpool came on to run the defense. And Cat's finally getting it. And you go back and watch the first part of the first quarter. There were a couple of Bulls misses. There was a turnover on a lob attempt uh, because Towns and, and on a couple of plays, Vanderbilt did the right thing. I mean, they were in the right spot. Nas was getting back on his heels. He was getting just beat to the cup by the ball handler consistently. And um, the Bulls the Bulls were playing Nas, putting him really in the wash uh, on the pick and roll throughout the second quarter. And, and that was what keyed a massive run. It ended up being a 12, well, it started as a 12 to two run. Um, as the Wolves started to bring their starters back, it was 16 to four. Um, and then, I mean, that was basically, that that's, was the downfall. Was Towns on the bench, Nas, um, at the center position and, and really struggling defensively. And that's what put the Wolves in a massive hole in the second quarter. By the time it got to halftime, it was a 10-point game. Um, third quarter was was fairly evenly played. Minnesota gained a little bit of ground. They were down six going to the fourth. And then all of a sudden with the Wolves within one possession with about six minutes left, the Bulls go on a, or five minutes left, I guess. The Bulls go on a quick 7-0 run. They go up 10, 113-103 to 103 with four minutes left in the game. Beasley hits a three. Zach Levine turns the ball over. Beasley hits another three. So then in 20 seconds, all of a sudden it's back to a four point game. And then the Wolves come back out and, and play good defense again. They um, they get a turnover. Vanderbilt gets a steal on an inbounds play. 
and um, Vanderbilt gets a clear path foul, makes both free throws. We'll talk more about Vando here in a little bit, but he was like, I think it was five of six from the free throw line. We'll talk through his game in a moment. Um, so the Wolves are now back within two. Levine hits a three, then Towns hits a jumper, and there's a little bit of a back and forth. And ultimately, Minnesota's back down by just one with with just under a minute to play. The Bulls miss a three. The Wolves get the rebound and call timeout. So 35.9 seconds left. The Wolves are down one. They use one of their two remaining timeouts. They've got one left. And we've seen, we saw Ryan Saunders play this both ways earlier this season. There were a couple of times, really too often, where he just wouldn't call the timeout and he would let the guys play. He would sit on his two timeouts and would end up with one in his pocket when the game ended. The right call here was to call the timeout. Chris Finch did that. So Wolves with the ball down one. They call the they call for Towns to get the ball basically in the mid post on the left side of the floor. And he gets a pretty open, basically a 15 footer and just misses it. Uh, not a bad shot. And it was, it was the right shot to take. It looked good. It just missed. The Bulls call timeout, come back down. Towns gets called for a foul. He sees trapping. Um, I believe it was Levine actually with the ball. Towns and Beasley were trapping and it was really a ticky tack foul. Towns kind of contacted his el- the Levine's elbow pretty gently. It wasn't it wasn't, you know, I've seen a lot worse when when guys are getting trapped um in a in a half court trap. They call the foul. That's Towns' sixth foul. He'd picked up some cheap ones early in the game um and unfortunately he fouled out with 12 seconds left in a one point game. The Bulls uh weren't yet in the penalty, but the Wolves still had to foul, of course. And so they did. And Tomas Sadoransky made both free throws. So now it's a three-point game. The Wolves have their last time out. And with no towns on the floor, everyone in the arena knows that this ball is going to Malik Beasley. And that's what the Wolves tried to do. It actually, if you go back and watch it, it wasn't executed very well. Basically, Beasley was supposed to be coming from, he started over almost kind of on the left elbow, curling around to Vanderbilt pin down in the right corner to get him in, in, you know, open in the right corner. That's where he's at his best. But Vanderbilt kind of slipped, slips the screen, doesn't actually get a, a good screen on the defender. And Beasley's not open. The, the Bulls actually played it really well. Rubio sees this and it almost looks like he's going to try and throw it to Vanderbilt. Who's open in the paint and would have had a dunk and maybe a three point play. But I mean, there's six seconds left at this point. You're down three. So the dunk doesn't do you any good. And nobody else is open. Um, I think Zach Levine was actually on Anthony Edwards in the far corner, and he was on him like white on rice, like standing right next to him, um, knowing that the Wolves needed a three. Same thing with Nas Reed. He was His man was guarding him really closely on the three-point line. So there was really nothing else to do. The Bulls understood that a two didn't matter. And for that reason, it was a little interesting that Vanderbilt was on the court in the first place. But I, instead of, say, Jade McDaniels, or if the Wolves had gone even smaller, um, because, I mean, a two does you no good here. So Rubio, I think what happened was, and on the Wolves broadcast, Dave Benson, Jim Peterson thought the Wolves, he thought Rubio was throwing it to, to Vanderbilt. I think he felt the contact and decided to make it look like he was shooting a three. Sure enough, he actually got the call, which usually guys don't in this situation. It was borderline, but I understand why they gave him the free throws. Rubio knocked down all three free throws. Extremely clutch, which is going to get lost in this game. I think the two things there that are easily lost are, one, the execution of the play wasn't good. There wasn't a secondary option. The only motion was Beasley. There was no other option on this play. Nothing else was happening between Edwards and Nas on the other side of the court. So that execution was not good. Secondly, Rubio is extremely clutch, hitting all three free throws in that situation to send the game to overtime. 
the Bulls went on a on just had an immediate push. Uh, they scored on their first possession off a second off second chance points in overtime. Again, no Carl Anthony Towns. The Wolves come down, miss three point blank shots. The Bulls come down, score again. It's already a two possession game, and the Wolves never really got within. Uh, they didn't get within two possessions the rest of the way. Um, second chance points were an issue, and that's how the Bulls opened overtime. So, um, the end of the game, the execution was certainly better than it has been. But the final play, they actually got somewhat lucky on the Rubio play, uh, because otherwise you're looking at Rubio essentially just heaving a shot or a lob pass to Vanderbilt in a three point game with six seconds left and the foul bailed them out. Um, you know, defensively, the trap was actually really good. Towns and Beasley had Levine trapped, but then Towns commits the foul, which was also a borderline call. Um, so, you know, again, it was improved. It wasn't great down the stretch and obviously losing by seven in overtime is not great, but at least the Wolves came back and tied it and sent it to overtime. What I want to do next is dive into, uh, you know, some of the key takeaways. I talked a little bit about the offense and what the Wolves did in this game, um, you know, in, in terms of Finch's offense that he's in the process of installing with the Timberwolves. I want to talk about some of the defensive issues. I want to talk about some of the things the Wolves are chronically bad at on defense that that really were obvious in this game. Um, and, and then also just some of the statistical categories, why they lost this game. I mean, the half-court defense wasn't awful, but they still gave up a ton of points and the Bulls got what they wanted whenever they needed it, namely Zach Levine. So I want to talk through what those issues were. And then we'll get to individual studs and duds to wrap up the show today. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our great friends at Online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and baseball is right around the corner. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything that you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's betonline.ag. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, rumors are swirling about how long Albert Pujols has left in baseball. Is he the best player of his generation. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so key takeaways. I talked a little bit about the offense. The mix early in the game was instead of just strictly pick and roll for the first like eight minutes like they did against Milwaukee on Tuesday, the Wolves, um, you know, there was some Edwards thrown in. There was some cat uh, elbow extended um, operating in a five out um, offense, which was great to see. Um so, so the offense was at least a little bit more diverse. Towns didn't really shoot all that many threes early in the game, ended up only attempting four. He was two or four outside the arc. Uh, you know, that number needs to go up a little bit. But for the most part, the offensive execution is pretty good. The Wolves just missed some shots. And part of that is personnel still part of its shot selection. But the scheme has certainly looked improved. Defensively, the Wolves looked largely not lost. I, I mean, I, I mentioned the half-court defense was okay, but but Zach Levine pretty much got what he wanted when he wanted it because he he kills drop coverage. I mean, Zach can score from anywhere on the floor. He loves, he's very comfortable shooting in the mid-range. He loves shooting threes. We know that. Um, and he he gets to the, into the paint a little bit more than he did early in his career. He's very comfortable um, driving and, and taking a little bit of contact and using, I mean, he's still obviously extremely athletic and he's okay with taking some of that contact. 
His attempts at the rim and his free throw rate are down a little from his first couple of years in Chicago, but they're still up from his three years in Minnesota. Um, he can get he, he shoots the ball at the rim and beyond the arc more than he did in Minnesota. The mid-range game isn't simply what it was as a rookie or second or third year player with the Timberwolves. His mid-range game is he'll shoot it from there if he's open and he's probably going to make it. Otherwise, he's shooting threes and he's getting to the rim. He's getting to the free throw line enough. He's I mean, it's not crazy to think he could be a 50, 40, 90 guy. He's shooting 51.8% from the field this year, which is just insane. And part of that is because he is still willing to get into the paint. He took whatever the Wolves gave him. He made all the right decisions. He shot 14 to 21 from the field, five of eight outside the arc. He did only attempt two free throws on the game, and he had seven turnovers to only two assists. But he also had 35 points on 21 shots, and that's a a fairly reasonable trade-off. The Wolves drop coverage did give him a little bit of trouble, and that's partly why he had seven turnovers and so did Kobe White. But, I mean, when you shoot 59% from the field and 40% from three, 81% from the free throw line, um, I mean, they almost had a 60-40-80 night from the field, the Bulls did. I mean, you can overcome 21 turnovers and 14 from your lead guards in, in White and Levine. The Wolves drop coverage was, you know, it gave and it took away in this game. And the taking away was mostly Nas Reed. But for the most part, Zach is one of those dynamic athletic guards who's comfortable scoring at all three levels that, that can beat drop coverage. And that's that's what happened in this game. Also, the Wolves struggled to put ball pressure on dribble handoffs. Uh, there were a couple of examples of this. And again, I, you know, calling out Nas Reed again, but Kat does, does this sometimes too, where there's a dribble handoff and they get kind of caught in between playing drop coverage and pressuring the ball. And a lot of times in a dribble handoff, if if the the uh, player receiving the handoff doesn't get it right away, they're going to try and get downhill and, and get a, a essentially a pocket pass dropped off from the big man who's who's handing the ball off and effectively setting a screen. And the Wolves, without putting pressure on, if you're going to go over the screen, I guess, if, say, Levine's the one getting the handoff, you have to honor the fact that if he gets the ball, he could just pop a, a three-pointer and, and make it behind the handoff. So you have to trail him around the screen, but then he gets downhill, gets an easy drop-off pass, um, or maybe he does take the handoff, and now you're trailing him as the defender, and it's an easy layup or a dunk or a foul or a maybe a 15-footer or whatever that is. All those plays are extremely efficient for a player like Zach Levine, and one of the ways you can combat that is the big that's guarding the guy handing the ball off has to put some pressure on him, make that pass difficult. If the handoff doesn't come and he's got to drop a pass off into the paint, you have to put your hands up. You have to make yourself large and obstruct, obstruct the view of the guy with the ball instead of making it a simple, you know, dump off pass into the paint. And that happened far too often for the Bulls. So it's small things like that where the Wolves were basically doing the right things it's just, you know, a little bit off and, and a lot. It was more Nas than it was Carl Anthony Towns in this game. Um, but as a whole, the Wolves bigs struggled a little bit defensively to to, you know, keep up with the Bulls, to keep up with Levine, with Kobe White, who had a nice game, 20 points, six assists for him. Um, Wendell Carter had a double double 17 and 10 and, and was fairly low usage in this game, but scored when he needed to. Um, and it was really those three guys that did a lot of harm. I, actually, I mentioned Sadoransky earlier. He had 16 points on seven field goals. So lots of efficiency from these guards. Um, but it's not just the Wolves perimeter defenders this time who are to blame. It was it was the big men being a little bit indecisive in coverage um, in this one for for the Wolves. And that was that was a concern. And it's a key takeaway for me from this game. Um, I don't want to spend much more time on the offense because that's going to be a lot of the show tomorrow on Friday. Um, but 
it was good to see a little bit more diversity in the Wolves offense as a team. Um, the Wolves, the Wolves ended up shooting uh, 45% from the field, 31.6% on three pointers. There were 20 of 21 at the line. Jared Vanderbilt was six of seven at the free throw line, which is just incredible. Um, I mean, he entered the game shooting what? I think he was under 50% uh, from the free throw line. Let me just pull it up. Yeah, for the season, he was uh, well, 51% for the season coming into the game. Goes six of seven at the line in this game, which is just crazy. Um, the other thing that, that killed the Wolves in this game outside of the drop coverage at times was live ball turnovers and fast break opportunities. I mean, the Bulls committed 21 turnovers to the Wolves 17 but the Bulls also had 23 points off of 17 Wolves turnovers. The Wolves only had 21 points off of 21 Bulls turnovers. So the Bulls still scored more points off of turnovers. Fast break points, they led 13 to 8. And the thing that affects both of those numbers are those live ball turnovers that the Bulls turned into easy buckets on the other end. The Wolves did not really return the favor and do the same with the Bulls' mistakes. Um, and that was a problem in this game. Transition defense continues to lag behind what even small incremental gains the Wolves have made in their half-court defense. The transition defense has not really improved. And, you know, it didn't feel like a lack of effort in this game, which is largely what transition defense is, is just getting back and running harder than the other team and getting back to protect, to protect uh, your end of the floor. And the Wolves, the Wolves, it didn't feel like they weren't doing that in this game. It's just the Bulls were more efficient. They're really good in the open court. Levine's really, really good when he gets ahead of steam. And can score um, and can get fouled at the rim and transition really easily. Um, so th- you know this was partly opponent and, and partly the Wolves. Still, it feels like I mean Nasri again. Nas, I hate to just keep picking on Nas, but he's one example. Towns does this all the time, where Rubio does this occasionally, where they go crashing to the floor, don't get a foul call, miss the basket, and now it's five on four the other way. That happened a couple of times in this game as well, and affected those fast break numbers. Um, that that were lopsided in the Bulls' favor. Okay, next what I want to do is talk through individual studs and duds for the Timberwolves in this game. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in, in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they are reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Again, the prices at RockAuto.com are always, every single time, reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. 
This week, we have two conversations for you to wrap up the month. First, a discussion on protests in sports across leagues. Then, tune in for a discussion on the importance of black history in sports, what's been achieved, and the important work left to be done, all in discussion on the Lockdown Presents podcast feed. Subscribe on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk about individual studs and duds from Wolves Bulls. Um, Another pretty easy one here to, to try and figure out. For the Timberwolves, um, there's three clear studs that played better than everybody else on the court for the Wolves. Number one, Carl Anthony Towns, 24 points, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals and a block. He shot 10 to 20 from the field, two of four outside the arc. He only attempted two free throws, made them both. He should have attempted more. The the officiating in this game was, you know, I don't think it was spotty. I think it was, I think it was just shoddy. It was not good. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it was terribly lopsided in the Bulls' favor. I just think it wasn't very good on either end of the floor for either team. Um, but Cat shot 50% from the field, 50% from beyond the arc. He did only have eight rebounds. Those two straight games where he was single digits in rebounds and only five assists to four turnovers, and he fouled out. Still, he was easily the best uh, player in the court. Uh, for the Timberwolves. He was a team best plus 12. Nobody else was better than plus five. Um, and part of that is due to just how badly the Wolves got killed in the minutes when he was off the court. Uh, but a good game from Cat. He's just got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, and I, I I, guess we didn't talk as much about that as I intended, but um, he had a couple cheap fouls again. Just frustration fouls. Hey, I didn't get the call. I'm going to try and get the ball back. Oh, I got my shot blocked. I'm going to try and get the ball back. It seems like every single game, he's got at least one of those foul calls where he makes a mistake or he feels like he was, you know, he should have gotten a call that he didn't get and he tries to make up for it and he commits a silly foul. And and if he could just stop doing that, I mean, that's, he saves himself a foul per game. I'm pretty confident that it's that frequently that it happens. Um, For his career, you know, foul trouble was a real serious thing right around when he became an all-star, you know, middle of his career. He's, this is what, year six now, year three, year four, fouls per game. He was led the league in fouls per game in the 1819 season, which is uh, his second all-star campaign. The year after Butler was with the team, Um, the year that Tibbs got fired during the season, he averaged 3.8 fouls per game, led the league in personal fouls. And then last year, that number started to come down a little bit. and, And now this year after after this game on on Wednesday against the Bulls, it's going to be up, you know, closer to that 3.8 mark. It was 3.4 coming into the game. So he's got to be more judicious with when he takes those risks. Um, and that would be the only reason to not give him a stud award, if you will, for this game. But I'm going to anyway. Um, also, Malik Beasley, 25 points on 9 of 20 shooting, 5 of 13 outside the arc. He was 4 of 7 on two-point attempts. Also, only two free throw attempts for Beasley. He made both of them. He only pitched in two rebounds and an assist. No steals, no blocks, had two turnovers, was a plus five in the plus minus column, which tied for second best on the team. Um, This was a good game for him. He got really hot in the middle of the game. And then in overtime, he struggled a little bit. The Wolves were just running everything for Beasley to get three-point attempts with Towns out of the game and the Wolves trailing. And that's not really his fault um, because there were some of those that were the play was called for him and he had to try and do something. And and still, it was an efficient night. I mean, nine to 20, five threes on 13 attempts is, is a night that, and you know, the Wolves will take pretty much any night. So um, definitely would consider him one of the Wolves' better players in this game. The third stud for this one is, man, this is tough. I'm, I'm going to do the thing where I split them again. I, You know, Anthony Edwards has to get a shout out for how he came around. A, a decent start to the game, a great um, fourth quarter. 
He was a he hit a huge three that kept the Wolves in the game down the stretch. I think they were down four, and he hit a three to get him within one. And he finished with 21 points, nine rebounds, six assists, two steals. And he did have three turnovers, but the six assists to three turnovers, you can live with that. He was also a plus five and then plus minus column. Shot seven of 20, but at one point he was three of 13 again, which is something we've seen a lot of recently. And he finished this game um, making four of his last seven shots, three of nine outside the arc. He did attempt four free throws and made all of them. Um, I mean, at this stage at 21, nine and six with two steals and, and, you know, 33% from outside the arc, the Wolves will take that. Um, this was a pretty good performance from Ant, and and it was great to see him hit a couple of clutch shots down the stretch. Also, Jared Vanderbilt was really good. 16 points, six rebounds, four steals and an assist, and a perfect five of five shooting from the field and six of seven at the free throw line. Tied his career high with 16 points. The four steals are huge. He was really good defensively. Um, when he was when he ended up in drop coverage, he he played it well. Um, he seems to have really good instincts in those situations. Um, his his biggest downfall defensively to this point has just been if he gets overpowered in the post. The Bulls don't really do that. Um, you know, they post up some of their their you know like Thad Young and some of those guys that aren't going to overpower anybody necessarily. And you know, Vando did well. He did more than hold his own defensively. Had the four steals, and then on offense, sixteen points on perfect shooting, six of seven at the line was really really good. Um, so very very good game out of Vanderbilt. Played thirty four minutes too after. Um, I think he only had 11 minutes in the Milwaukee game and, and McDaniels played a lot, a lot more. Um, but McDaniels only had 16 minutes in this game. Okay. on to the duds. Um, the one clear dud for this game is Nas Reed. He finished with 13 points on six of 14 shooting. He did have four rebounds and three blocks and that all sounds good, but he had zero assists and four turnovers. He committed four fouls in just 22 minutes and he was by far a team worse minus 17. Nobody else was worse than a minus 12. And I, talked up and down about his game already and, and I don't want to pile on, but that second quarter was really bad. Overtime was not good for him. Um, he's just got to be better if the Wolves are going to play drop coverage with him on the court. He's got to at least put up some resistance instead of just getting blown past uh, by ball handlers in, in in pick and roll action consistently. And that's what we've seen a lot of recently. Um, it's kind of hard to pick a second one. Nobody else really had a bad game. Akogi actually played really well in his 16 minutes. Um, Jalen Noel was good, 12 points in his 19 minutes. I guess if I had to pick another one, it's probably Jade McDaniels just because it was a really quiet 16 minutes, um, two points, three rebounds. He only had the one turnover, one or two shooting. I mean, there really wasn't another one. Jordan McLaughlin was scoreless in 20 minutes, but he had four assists and, and it was strong, you know, decent, at least defensively. Um, so it's tough for me to actually pick a second dud. Uh, the rotation was, was shortened to a tight 10 guys in this one. Um, Jarrett Culver was, there was a chance he was going to play and he didn't, um, don't know why that is exactly, but he ended up, he was, he was dressed. He just didn't play. So sounds like we'll probably see him this weekend, um, when the wolves, uh, play Saturday and Sunday. So, um, Interesting to watch the rotation. Certainly the starters have played heavy minutes in the first two games, more so than with Saunders. His rotation was a little bit more even. I mean, it wasn't even, but it was skewed. You know, the starter minutes were a little shorter. Um, you know, Cat played only 31 minutes because of foul trouble. All the other starters played 33 or more minutes. Obviously, it's an overtime game, so that's a big reason why. But still, um, the the playing time has been weighted a little more heavily to the starters so far in two games of the Chris Finch era. So we'll see if that's something that continues. Um, 
I guess that's all for this game specifically. Again, on Friday's show, I want to spend some time talking about the offensive concepts and and what we could expect to see as this thing develops, um, you know, probably more so after the All-Star break, potentially after moves are maybe made at the trade deadline and, and what this what this team looks like offensively, at least what their identity is going to be moving forward under Chris Finch. Um, and that that should be a really fun thing to take a look at. I also on Friday show, we'll look ahead at the weekend and what the wolves have upcoming. Just a quick peek at the schedule. Minnesota's last game of this road trip. They're at Washington on Saturday um, at the wizards and then back home for Phoenix on Sunday. So back to back road home, back to back. Um, They do get two more days off Monday and Tuesday of next week before finishing the first half against the Hornets next Wednesday, the third, and then they'll have eight days off in between games with the all-star break in between. So three more first half games, one on the road, two at home, and hopefully the Wolves. I mean, they're all, you know, Washington and Charlotte are both below 500 teams. Washington's played a lot better lately, but certainly both winnable games um, for the Timberwolves. Um, and so we'll, we'll do a quick preview of the weekend on Friday's show. All right, that's all we have for you today here at Locked on Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked on Wolves podcast. Of course, we're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe to Locked on Wolves on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. It's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And also, um, uh, you can also follow myself on at on Twitter at at bbeacon. B Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. And if you're so inclined, please help out with a review on iTunes. That definitely helps us out if we can uh, get a positive review. Helps us get in front of more eyes and ears. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.